What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Cruz. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am back as your host for this week, stepping in for evil Mr. Jake Murren. And joining me today on the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be is, unfortunately, trash Browns fan, Dan Groen. Hello, everyone. How's it going? And, of course, our fantasy football expert, Mr. Matt Permuka, who is also dressed as... Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. So it fits right into the dog pound mold yeah. right here. I didn't get the memo. We were doing uh, sports-themed <laughs> costumes, uh, so... I think it's just dog-themed. Yeah, dog well, yeah the, the dog pound pun was how I tried to salvage that, so... Because <laughs> you guys are both dressed as uh, Browns-related. Well, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit of Zips football. Unfortunately, once again, a loss to the Miami Redhawks. Also, a little bit about college football. We will do our winner-loser segment as well. We'll do some NBA talk, talking about the Cavaliers' hot start, MLB, NHL, and, of course, our hot mic segment, and finish it off with some NFL talk and NFL pickums. Guys, are you ready? I'm so excited. Wait, hold on a sec. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready to talk about Zips football? Because I'm not. Oh, oh, that's how we have to start. I mean, I'm ready. Unfortunately, how I'm we ready have to get start. this over with. How about all that? right? All right. Let's yes. power through, boys. Power through. That's fair. So, of course, like I said, the Akron Zips took another loss to the Miami Redhawks yesterday by a score of 27 to nine. Really, really unfortunate. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, to say the uh... least. Offense looked abysmal. DJ Irons was 31 for 49 with 316 yards, one touchdown, one interception with a 50 QBR, which doesn't seem that bad, but I was there in person, and DJ Irons looked like he didn't even want to be on the field yesterday. Yeah, I saw some tweets that were pretty, like, anti-DJ Irons, and I never really see those, and I'm, I, oh, I was taken aback by that. I was, too. So, of course, Josh, our weekly Joe Moorhead presser was a little bit shorter this week. Mm-hmm. It was only four minutes long. Oh, not much to say. I I don't think he's too happy with this season. No, he is not. And I will start it off with some comments from Coach Moorhead on the past five weeks. No, I'm saying what's ironic about that is this was the most energized that the team's been in the locker room uh, during pregame warmups. And, uh, you know, it just, we, uh, you know, for, for, for what I think the past five weeks, we can, 
you know, look at our performance and say, you know, you know we've made progress. And, and I felt today was the first time in, in a long time. And there were bright spots, things we did well in all three phases that, uh, you know, we're not walking off the field and we weren't within one one score in the fourth quarter with a chance to win it. And I think, you know, as a football team, we didn't, we didn't take a positive step today. That was Coach Joe Moorhead on the past five weeks for the Akron Zips, including the loss to Miami. Guys, what were your thoughts on Coach Moorhead's comments? Um, I, for one, was not a fan of a lot of those comments because he, he was talking about how this is the, like the first game that we've shown a lot of progress and the most energized we've been, which if that's the case, it's kind of sad. But I, I just don't agree with that because... If this is the most if this is the most progress that we've seen, then that's a pretty big red flag because I saw a lot more positives coming from the Kent State game and the game before that. This time we only put up what nine points. Yes, yeah, that's I don't think that's progress, Matt. Yeah, the uh, the whole uh, they were really energized line kind of struck a nerve because I remember it's like. What that reminded me of, my junior year playing high school football, our homecoming game, our kicker was juice. Like, he was headbutting lockers. And then he goes out to kick the game-winning field goal. We were down by two on our homecoming game, and he shanks it so far, he hits the scoreboard. Wow. That's exactly what that reminded me of. When you go out there thinking, I'm going to run through a wall, and then the wall ends up running over you. I think that was just... A sad performance yesterday, and if I did, the Zips look past Miami Red Hawks. Like I don't, can you afford to look past someone as like a one in six, one in seven football team? I, I think that's what they did, and I wouldn't have looked past the Red Hawks either. They, they no, they have a Kent. winning record. They have a winning record. They look great against Kent State. I just don't understand why that would be a team that you would look past. Dan, do you think that the Zips overlooked the Red Hawks? Do you think that they had a chance to win this game coming in? Honestly, I don't really think so. I mean, because we haven't beaten a single MAC team yet this year, and we barely lost or we barely beat an FCS school. So I really, they really need to start winning these MAC games before they can start taking before anyone can start taking them seriously. Hey, that boulder's going to break pretty soon. Don't worry. The boulder, that obsidian boulder that we're chipping away with a wooden pickaxe. Maybe yeah. maybe even like a toothbrush. I think like we're going at the boulder with a toothbrush. It'll break <laughs> eventually. Maybe in like yeah. 80 years with erosion and stuff, but... Might have a little crack in it, yeah. Maybe. Moving forward on this loss, like I brought up before, DJ Irons was 31 for 49, 316 yards, averaged 6.4 yards per play, one touchdown and one interception. Talked a little bit about how DJ looked inconsistent yesterday. What are your guys' thoughts on DJ Irons versus Miami and overall as the quarterback of the Zips? Now, admittedly, I didn't watch this game uh but when you look at the numbers they aren't necessarily bad i mean 31 for 49 that's about a 63 percent completion percentage 378 yards like you said a touchdown and a pick so those numbers aren't bad like on paper but as you guys were saying he looked kind of uh just like he just very inconsistent as if he didn't want to be out there but i don't think we should necessarily pin all of the the blame with how bad this team has been playing on dj irons considering how okay those stats were if that makes sense yeah dj irons can't play defense and uh dj irons can't block for himself so right i know he's he's not he doesn't have to be perfect and it's unfair for when he's not perfect that we just pile it all on him because the re- the other units on this team did not help your chances of winning either it'd be one thing if the defense held miami to 15 just like 17 points or something but the offense just couldn't capitalize 
it, it wasn't like that. Defense didn't help him out. Offensive line didn't help him out. Running game didn't help him out. And he just wasn't on it yesterday. I don't really necessarily know. If, I, I can't put this loss entirely on him. Do you see DJ Irons as the future for the Akron Zips, or do you think he's just the best option right now? I think he's the best option right now. I don't really think – I mean, I, I think our future is – pretty much they're all still in high school right now i mean coach moorhead's a great recruiter and we're still going to be a couple years away from really competing and being what we hope the zips can be under coach moorhead yeah i agree because i mean by the time that uh moorhead's team like his actual team of recruits come up i mean dj irons time is going to be up before we know it so i think he's really the best option that we have now i think he has the certainly has the talent to be the future but by the time that this Moorhead team actually comes around and starts performing like we hopefully expect them to, I think that his time will be up soon. For sure. And while we are on the topic of the offense and DJ Iron, here is Coach Moorhead's comments on the offense yesterday versus Miami. Yeah, I'll say a little bit of both. You know, we, we with our inability to run the football puts a lot of pressure, you know, on the quarterback and the wideouts and the receivers in the, in the pass game. And, uh, you know, this was a unit that was giving up 17 points a game and 310 yards in Mac play. So we, we knew they were a good defense. So we knew it was going to be, you know, a, a, a difficult game in terms of uh, scoring points, uh, you know, although we did move the ball. So, yeah, it did seem like we had a ton of, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of flow, you know, a lot of uh, you know, just we, we, weren't, we, weren't, we weren't clicking. That was Coach Joe Moorhead on the Akron Zips offense versus the Miami Redhawks yesterday. Guys, what are your takeaways from Coach Moorhead there? How can you say you have a flow going, but you're not clicking? I think that is a, that's an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. <laughs> we were moving the ball, just couldn't move it in the end zone. And then were you really moving the ball? If you couldn't score points, were you really? Right. That, that, oh, that, that, uh, bad, pre- bad presser yesterday. Bad presser. Yeah, I agree. It's like. I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's still new and he's a very promising coach, better than what we had with Tom Arth, at least we hope. But it's just like we're we're making the same mistakes every game. It's like, yeah, we do get into a little bit of a rhythm and then it just completely stalls out with an interception or a fumble or untimely sacks. And at some point, it's just a matter of, okay, when is this really going to be blamed on coaching? And I think that Moorhead really needs to step up and get this team back on track because we were supposed to see improvement, not the same as last year, not even regression. It almost seems like we've regressed in many ways. So I'm not a fan of how this is going so far. Like I said in my preview with Sava, I don't see it right now immediately being Coach Moorhead, but I think if after this season, I'll give him this year because there's still a lot of Tom Arts players on this roster, and Mm -hmm. we know how that went the past three years. Yeah. I will give Joe Moorhead this season to get a few of his own recruits on our team. And if it still stays stagnant at one win, two wins, then that's when we go and blame the coaching staff. Because I agree with Matt. I do think Joe Moorhead is a fantastic hire. I think he has the tools to be great here at the University of Akron. But he has to have some of his own players. And like you said, we're probably about two to three years away yeah, from no, seeing I, that. He's, he's working with Tom Arts guys right now. And, you know, I they're coaching philosophies really don't align much at all so you know he's kind of working with lemons here and i like i said i think the guys that are going to win us a mac championship are probably taking a calc exam this week or having a push <laughs> dbq do in a couple weeks they're good point they're getting their temps this week or something <laughs> like that we're still a couple years away from getting a, uh you know uh coach moorhead's vision 
of what the Zips can be. So you just got to power through right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, Matt, the run game for the Zips is absolutely non-existent. Oh, yeah. Right no, now. there were like one or two games where I'm like, oh, my gosh, do we hit 100 yards? And then it just didn't happen. So let me put it this way for you. Our top rusher yesterday was DJ Irons, our Shocker. quarterback. 14 Shocker. carries, 58 yards. Our running back, Clyde Price, 8 carries, 13 yards with an average of 1.6 yards per play, and his longest run of the day was 8 yards. Yikes. Um, That means he had 7 carries for 5 yards after that. How is that helpful to the Aggies right now? It's not. It's not. You, you you don't have a running game, so what you have to do is you have to use, you have to put wear and tear on DJ because your quarterback, quarterback options give you an extra blocker right there. You can put your running back as a blocker, and then you have even numbers, and then it's just DJ. We ask him to do so much, and he is the only lifeblood of this team right now, mm-hmm. uh, running game-wise, receiving core is decent in my opinion. And that's why I always want to give DJ Irons the benefit of the doubt, because he's really taking over the game into his own hands, sometimes almost to a fault. Yeah. But... You know, like when we talk about his performance yesterday and how he kind of looked like like he didn't want to be out there, is that necessarily on him or is that more so on the team well, not look, helping him out? If you're DJ Irons and you're just like, well, I got to throw the ball 40 something times today and then I got to run, you know, 15 other times, you know, that's that's 60 plays where you're directly involved, not including mm-hmm. sacks and all the hits you're going to take from the defense. So, right. you know, if he woke up yesterday morning and he's like, not again. I couldn't say I'd blame him. I couldn't say I would blame right. him. Definitely would agree with you there. It's got to be tough being the quarterback for the Akron Zips right now. It's got to be tough to be an Akron Zips football player at any point over the past four years. Yeah. And speaking of the past four years, Joe Moorhead uses the term the process a lot. And Joe Moorhead talked a little bit about the process post game and where they are in it. Here are Coach Moorhead's comments on the Akron Zips process. I think we took a step back today. How big, I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, I felt we had, we practiced well during the week. You know, had good meetings. The kids were energized. But, you know, the uh, ability to play complementary football, right? We talk about the determining factor in games, explosive plays and turnovers. Third down in the red zone. I think we were good with explosive plays, for and against, and good on third down. We were, six, you know, 6 of 16, which isn't great, but it's better than 2 of 12. But we, we, we turn the ball over with frequency, and we don't create any. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time you know, that we created a turnover. Maybe Bowling Green, we had an interception. It's been a minute. So when when you're a team that's going into a game as an underdog, you got to find ways to generate field position, generate points, you know, generate momentum. We didn't do that, along with you know not being able to capitalize on our, on our red zone scoring opportunities offensively. That was Zips coach Joe Moorhead on the process for the Akron Zips. Guys, what are your takeaways from his comments here? Didn't he say in an earlier in, in an earlier clip that we had made progress this week? Yes. And then he, so we took a step forward and took a step back simultaneously. It's it's wonderful. I also just appreciated the digs at the defense there because he's he's basically just screaming, "Help me!" And he's probably reflecting a lot of DJ Iron's opinions in that, too, and just a lot of the offensive players in general, where it's just the defense has to contribute more. But just, that was my takeaways from the clip. I guess when he's talking about progress, he never mentions net progress. <laughs> <laughs> we, could be, we could be talking like, yeah, we made progress in one aspect of the game, but, yeah, we also created all these, or we also 
made all these turnovers and we're you know taking all these stupid penalties. It just seems to be the same old stuff every single game. And at some point, something's got to change. And again, kind of going back to my point and kind of agreeing with you guys, like, yes, this is Tom Arth's team still, but at some point, when are we going to see some sort of improvement, at least in the fundamentals of coaching? Next year. All right. When, when yeah. Coach Moorhead's first class comes in. We'll see how that works out. I think I would agree. I think that next year would be a better a better observation of what the Zips football team can be doing. But, yes, I, I see that's very contradictory of saying we make progress and then stepping back immediately. But, yes, Matt, I agree. It's like he's kind of screaming for help yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you guys knew this, but for going back to the Kent State game, Joe Moorhead had never lost a rivalry game in his career. Not at Mississippi wow. State, not at Oregon. Look, he almost kept that streak alive. He really did. He, Even when he was here at Akron before, they did not lose to Kent State while he was coaching here. Oh, man. And this that game against time. Kent State was probably the best Zips game that I've seen in a long time. Definitely. That, mo- de- oh, most definitely, without a doubt. Oh, my God. And I did not I'm know that. I'm confused as to why they came out like this this week. So before we... Probably burnout, honestly. True. I would agree with that. Before we switch over to previewing the Eastern Michigan game, I want to know who do you blame for this blowout loss out of... It could be a specific person. It could be a unit. It could be a coach. Why did the Zips get blown out by the Red Hawks at home after such a strong performance against Kent State? I blame everyone that wears blue and gold on those sidelines in InfoCision Stadium. I don't like. I don't think there's one specific play that cost you the game because you lost by 16. So you can't look back and say, "Well, if this went differently, then the outcome would be d- different." So I, it's a collective effort. It's a team game. Team played bad. Final score was bad. Yep, I'd have to agree. I don't think you can really pin the blame on any person or player in particular. Um, like I said, Joe Moorhead, he is not immune to any criticism. Again, that's not to say that he's not a good coach or that he can be a good coach. And I think he's going to be really good for the future. But with how that game was played, it really makes me it, – it just doesn't sit well with me for someone who is supposed to be come in here and show at least some improvement. Instead, now we're sitting at one win on the season with no home games left. Oh, that was our last – I thought – Eastern Michigan is at home. Oh, okay. It's some some Tuesday night action. Oh, God. All right, that was our last home weekend game then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But, hey, Matt, I have a question for you. Yeah. You said you blame everybody in the blue and gold. Yes. You blame Zippy? Oh, well, no, Zippy doesn't wear a helmet. Zippy, <laughs> Zippy can't go on the field. What, Zippy's got to entertain like the 80. What position does Zippy play? Zippy's got to entertain like the 80 people that go to those games. You I, know? Do, I do think if Zippy were to go on the field, Zippy would have a better chance at making some plays than some Dude, people. Dude, that reminds are. me of like. Zippy could be a better running back like, than wait, what we have. Do you remember right like mascot battle on NCAA 14? Oh, yeah. Zippy playing with that is so much fun. <laughs> that, that just jogged my memory of just like Zippy playing football. You see Zippy run across the field, man, she could be doing better than prices right now for the zips i love those mascot games where it's like mascots versus kids i always say this but they need to replace the pro bowl with that because it's just so entertaining yes (laughs) switching gears we are going to preview that tuesday night maction game right at home at infocision stadium against eastern michigan guys eastern michigan comes in at five and four the akron zips are one and eight ESPN matchup predictor has Eastern Michigan with a 66.7% chance to beat the Akron Zips. What are your thoughts for this upcoming game? So I'm not going to try to talk myself into this again. I do this every week I'm on. Like Maybe we can get them next week. 
I'm not going to do that. The game's on election day, folks. If you have three hours out of your day, don't spend it on this. Go do your civic duty. Go vote. Go get some dinner, okay? That's what you're going to do instead of watching this game. Go vote. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to at least attempt to be optimistic here and say that if the Zips want to stay in this game, if they want to have any chance at beating Eastern Michigan, Probably the biggest key to that would be stopping their running back, Samson Evans. He's got 634 yards, six touchdowns, and is averaging 5.3 yards per carry. So if they can somehow slow him down, they have a shot at winning this game. But I don't think I see it happening, just given how, just given the results every single week, week in and week out. I would agree. I think that I'm not going to go with the Zips for this game, and that was a great yeah. plug there, Matt. That was that was a good take. What, election day? I don't yes. really know if that's a plug. I kind of <laughs> just like go out civ- and vote. Civic duty. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that the Zips will fall in action again, and I think that there will be even less fans in the stands for a Tuesday night game than there are normally because people have better things to do, as you said, Matt. Yep. I think that it'll be... I don't even know if it'll be close, to be honest with you. Oh. I think the morale's going to be low. What do you guys think about score predictions? Uh, score predictions? I'm going to uh, go 31, Eastern Michigan, 13, Akron. I will say okay. I'll say 34 to, I'll say something random, 19. 34 to 19, Eastern Michigan. I'm going to go 28 to 10, Eastern Michigan would be my pick. Unfortunately, I really want to pick the Zips, but I'm not doing that ever again. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll move away from the abysmal Akron Zips and move over to quickly recap probably the biggest game of the weekend, Ohio State versus Penn State. The score was very close the entire game. Ohio State was down multiple times, and then we all saw what happened. Ohio State came back and won that game against Penn State. Guys, are you worried about Ohio State after their first half performance, or do you think that that comeback proves that they are just that good of a football team? I think that they are just that good. Um, there are some spots where I'm a little bit concerned. For example, like C.J. Stroud, he can be prone to you know forcing turnovers or, or you know forcing interceptions, trying to force the ball downfield when he doesn't necessarily have to, but. He has what it takes to be a very successful quarterback here to lead this team to success. And just not, you know, aside from quarterback, we still have a very, very good defensive front led by JT Tuimalau. If I'm saying that right, probably not. Yeah, that's um, how I was going to pronounce it. But <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Uh, we got a really good one-two punch with Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, who is injured, unfortunately, um, and some of the greatest receivers in the game, not to mention JSN is still out. Yes. Uh, so once he comes back healthy, if he comes back healthy, then look out, Nation, because this is a very scary Ohio State team, and I don't, I'm not concerned about that slow start they had against the number 13 Penn State. If anything, I don't think the first half – should be a warning at all. I think the fourth quarter in itself should kind of be an like an act of encouragement because when you're Ohio State, you're going to get every team's best every week. Like Penn State, that was their Super Bowl. Right. And they came out first three and one-fourth quarters. They played the game of their lives. And then you realized Ohio State is probably going to have six guys go in the first round this year and another six go in the first round <laughs> in 2024. And it's like, okay. They're just better. They are one of the top three or four teams in the country, and I think there's a huge gap between them and Penn State. And for them to just go and just flip a switch, I have, like, never seen that 
in a college football game in my life. I've seen that in basketball where someone will just go like and just hit everything. Never seen that in football the way Ohio State did that yesterday. So I actually have a question for you guys. Do we think that Ohio State moves up to number one in the rankings after this one? No. I'm going to throw it. Any, if any team's going to jump, I think it'd be Tennessee. I could see that. To number one? Honestly, yes. Wow. That's if any team were to jump. I mean, the rankings are probably going to come out while we're on air, so we won't be able to see them. But right, that's right. It's the first college football rankings. It's today. I believe I didn't even. I didn't even know that. I thought it was December. Look at look at me accidentally being right. (laughs) Uh, one of our hot mic questions does regard that, so we will definitely get into that in the remainder of the show. But before we close out our first segment, it's time for my favorite part of this segment, college football winners and losers, where each of us pick one winner and one loser or more, depending on how the week shapes out in college football. Dan, I'll start with you with your winner for the week. My winner is from the Ohio State, JT, JT Tuimalau who had two sacks, two interceptions, a forced fumble, and a touchdown off of one of those interceptions. That was about as good of a game that you can have from a defensive player really ever. So I'm going with JT to Imalau. And uh, are we going with our loser yet, or are we switching over to Matt? I'll switch back over to you for the loser next. Matt, what's your winner? So luckily I had two winners. One of them was JT to Imalau. He made himself a lot of money yesterday. <laughs> he basically cemented himself as a top 10 pick in 2024. Yep. And potentially a big NIL deal probably in the next day or so. <laughs> uh, but my other winner, the Tennessee Volunteers. They, wait, no, they're not the Volunteers. Yeah, you got it. Oh, okay, yep. yeah, okay. What am right I again, doing? Matt. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, they dismantled Kentucky last night, 44-6. to six. That was absolutely insane. They made Will Levis just look dazed and confused out there and he i i thought he was going to be one of the top quarterback prospects in this draft and to just embarrass him like that and, oh, and their fans have put a gps on the goalpost they I stole and it's somewhere in the chattanooga river right now oh wow <laughs> so tennessee's having a week and they play georgia on saturday too that's a big game yes and they've now that proven is good. that they can win those big that games. is going to deter- that's going to be the winner of that game is going to be the representative of the SEC championship in their bracket. I don't know which half of the SEC they're wow. in, but the winner of that game will be the representative in the SEC championship. It's nice to see someone other than Alabama and Georgia doing success, having sort of success in uh, the SEC. I would agree. I kind of thought that team was going to be A&M, but look how that turned nope. out. <laughs> Not looking great for A&M. My winner for the week is UCF upsetting number 20 Cincinnati, especially because Cincinnati likes to talk a lot of smack about UCF. And their only point of context with UCF is their fake 2017 national championship banner. That's still embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but it is, it's Cincinnati's only point of contact with UCF, and they got beat after talking all that smack. So UCF is my winner for the week. Dan, who is your loser for the week? My loser is number 10, Wake Forest, being, being upset by an unranked Louisville team, 48-21. to 21. Uh, Just not a good look for a ranked top 10 team uh, in Wake Forest. Matt, who's my your loser? My loser, I have two again. Uh, first one, number 9, Oklahoma State. It's one thing to lose against, like, if you lost in Kansas State, no one would really bat an eye. To lose 48 nothing, like, that is just absolutely pathetic. That was a terrible outing by Oklahoma State yesterday. And my other one, James Franklin. How do you, how do you let that game slip away? You have Ohio State 
You are up on them in Happy Valley. And, and it, it just falls apart on it. He wastes so much talent in Penn State. My loser for the week is it was both of the ones you just said, Matt. So I'm going to I'm call sorry, an, Logan. <laughs> I'm going to call an audible, and I'm just going to give it to the Akron Zips because the Akron Zips are constantly a loser on the week, and I just did not like the way that they showed themselves yesterday after that oh. Kent State performance. I'm just that's my loser. I hate doing that to them, but they are. I don't see any other. Right. I don't see any other option. They're just the loser of the week. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up with our college football segment. You won't want to miss what we have coming up next. We're going to get into some NBA action, talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Karis LeVert's surprise performance, which I'm excited to talk about. You won't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here on Z88. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk. Once again, I am your host, Logan Conger. Joining me here is Dan Groen and Matt Bermuka. And welcome back to the show. Like I mentioned before, if you were listening, we are switching over to the National Basketball Association, which is my favorite topic because you all know my favorite team is winning the championship. There's no question yeah, we'll about, see it. about that. You're a Cavs fan now? Oh, Matt, <laughs> Matt. The Heat. You just wouldn't get it, Matt. You just wouldn't get it. It's a cultural (laughs) thing. It is. You just wouldn't get it. It's not quantifiable. Udonis Haslam, guys, he's still there. He played played last night. He's like Coach Grandpa. Okay. He played and scored last night. That dude's like 44, (laughs) and he's still playing in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But we are going to start it off with the hometown Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are actually starting out really, really hot. Oh, yeah. And Donovan Mitchell is the prime reason for that. We now have a certified star player on the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. What are your thoughts so far on Donovan Mitchell's impact on this young roster? See, so far early on, the thing that surprised me the most is his playmaking ability. I think he's averaging close to seven assists a game, and you know a lot of that's because Garland's out and he's playing point guard. But I always thought of Donovan Mitchell as just a scorer naturally. Mm-hmm. And just to see how he can facilitate, I can only imagine how good he and Garland are going to be together when they can each have the chance to play off ball. Like this, I hope Darius gets back on there soon so they can start getting chemistry together because this team can go far. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be one of the top guard tandems in the league once, once Darius Garland comes back fully healthy. And to think that we got Donovan Mitchell for... Not much at all. I mean, we gave up a lot of picks, but those picks pretty much aren't going to be useful for us necessarily. And then we got Colin Sexton, who, you know, let's face it, wasn't really a a good fit for this team uh, for the last year or two. And then Lowry Markinen, who we all kind of saw as a rental piece. And so we really got – I don't know how Utah just let this guy go. So, Dan, the funny thing you say that was, like uh, giving up the picks, part of that was – so. We traded Karis LeVert and got a pick for Ricky Rubio. We kept the pick because the Cavs didn't make the playoffs, and then we used the pick that we kept to get Karis LeVert yeah. in the Donovan Mitchell that's trade. That's right, that's right. Yeah. So we gave up absolutely nothing. We gave up Ricky Rubio <laughs> for half a season and got Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio and Karis LeVert all back. Yeah, that impressive. is insane. That's, that's just wizardry there. The Kobe Altman, man, <laughs> Kobe Altman. That, and to think I was critical of Kobe Altman at the time. I but. was too. And no, can you guys imagine, like, let's say Darius Garland still lacerates his eyelid in game one, but this team 
is now down to running Colin Sexton and Isaac Okoro in your starting lineup. How does this team start if it's not Spider Mitchell running the show? I don't. You're not four and one, right? No. Like we, you would have fallen on your face right off the rip. And I find it kind of interesting how Colin Sexton's barely been getting any minutes. Yeah, he's on a, like he's when you look at the box score, he's averaging like twenty something, but he's getting like seventeen to twenty five minutes a game. Do you think yeah. that's a product of him maybe still being slightly hurt, or do you think that's just a product of they don't know how to play him yet? I'm I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate on his health. So I mean, I would assume it might just be a chemistry thing. But you know, Colin Sexton. They call him Young Bull for a reason. He kind of just charges at the basket. So maybe if they can just keep him fresh, he can just keep charging and just keep trying for contested layups. Yeah. However, our new young player that is really surprising me is Karis LeVert. Mm-hmm. And that performance the other night with Donovan Mitchell was extremely <laughs> yes. impressive. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but that was only the second time in Cavaliers history that's ever been done. And the other time was LeBron James and Kyrie in Game 5 of the Finals. See, I saw that exact meme where it was like, it was Karis LeVert and Donovan Mitchell tonight, but it was the it was the cutout of like Kyrie and LeBron, but it was like really poor photoshopping their heads <laughs> on. It was like, what, you, you, you like the, that yeah, kind of like meme. Right. And I, I just thought that was really funny when I saw that. <laughs> and honestly, I went to Cavs Media Day this year mm-hmm. with Alex Henry. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, if somebody midseason were to be traded, and underutilized, it might be Karis LeVert. And now I don't mm-hmm. see that. Yeah, no. I think he definitely solidified his spot on this roster. I think early on, I think we really, as a just a station, collectively underrated LeVert. I, he alluded to him being like playing banged up last year, and I don't think any of us really thought anything of it until now. It, it, it looks like he was telling the truth because the Karis LeVert we saw Friday night was it, that was a completely different animal than what we saw at all last season. And Collectively, we all underrated him. I think uh, a couple weeks ago when I was on, we asked, who do you want to start at small forward? No one said Karis LeVert. I oh. said Dean Wade. I mean, Jake said Okoro. I forget who. Were you I, on with us, Dan, that week? Um, I don't know if I was on. I forget if I was on with you, but I remember discussing it with people, and I, I remember yeah. being on the Okoro train because I thought that. It, none, of, none of us even looked at Karis LeVert, yeah. and he's making us all eat our words, so good on him. Yeah, I thought that Okoro's defense would be more valuable than LeVert's offense, but. Oh, his offense, I get it's It's something now. I think he's finally being used right in a very right system where he can actually start and play to his full potential rather than coming off the bench and kind of be limited. Oh, if, even if he was on the bench, he'd be a six man of the year candidate early on. Mm-hmm. Assuming, assuming he can like keep up just like a partial level of would, this. Yeah, if he plays, you know, the same level that he's playing at, like off oh, the bench, yeah. I don't even know if that would be the case because I feel like a lot of his success right now is because of the fact that he's starting with Mitchell, with Allen and Mobley and everyone else. I feel like they're kind of paving the way for him. Oh, he and Donovan complement each other so nice. They yeah. are both. Uh, you know, shot creating playmakers, and they can just all oh, they 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 have, they're in such sync already, and it's five games into the season. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tower City up front, and then mm-hmm. you got Garland coming back soon. So when all when everyone's healthy, then look out NBA. Like, you wouldn't believe these guys met each other six weeks ago for the first time, like Donovan and the team. Like you would not believe that. No, no shot. Like, it's it's insane how they've gelled. Donovan Mitchell is currently averaging 31 points per game on this extremely talented Cavs roster, and they're still distributing the ball to other players. How does that make you guys feel about Donovan Mitchell right now for the Cavs? That I would that trade was probably that, that Kobe Altman should win Executive of the Year for that. Like I, I could see it. 
unless this thing somehow crashes and burns, I don't see how this team doesn't finish as a top six seed. Top six? I would put them even higher than that. Well, I, I'm just saying, like, out of the play-in, basically, just with that. Yeah. But, I mean, like, this is something special right now. And I don't—you uh, would need—you know, injuries are part of the game. You would need a terrible injury to even derail this. Yeah. So, you know, you are— you are just fine right now. It's and, wonderful. And even then, even if we did have a bad injury, I would think it would take a whole injury bug to derail the season because, you know, mm-hmm. we're missing an all-star point guard, and yet we're... We have we're another all-star at, point guard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, we, we saw how injuries derailed last season, but I don't think it's going to take just one, just given how much we distribute the ball, how deep we are as a team. I mean, you know, you look at our bench, we got... You know, Dean Wade. It's crazy that Isaac Okoro is your eleventh guy. Yeah, like Isaac. Okoro, That's like, impressive. He should like he he's a borderline starter, but he's yeah. your eleventh man. <laughs> right. That is insane. Yeah. The opinion up here of Isaac Okoro was not very strong for a while either. Jake Murren was not an Isaac Okoro fan. Oh, I am not. I'm not an Okoro fan either. I think I can't say I'm a stan either. But yeah. I mean, I, I've always wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt just because of how valuable he was on defense, but. You know, between him and Levert, I'm taking Levert any day at this point. It doesn't matter if you can defend, if you can score 140, and you still have two seven-footers down there. Yeah. (laughs) Pick up some slack. You're fine. Right. I did purchase an Isaac Okoro jersey. Oh, no. At the team shop, too. No. At Media Day? No. Okay. I got it it when he first got picked. Oh, man. Dude. I wanted to get a new Cavs jersey, and I was like, this guy's new. It's different. I didn't want to get Sexton. I didn't want to get Garland. Everybody has those. Logan. It's a cool that, jersey, I We guess. give Jake a lot of uh, heat for having a Baker Mayfield jersey. <laughs> we, we, now have to, we now have to apply that same heat to you. Oh, I, I did not know. I don't know, man. Uh, an Isaac Okoro jersey. At least jersey. he's on the same team. One of those an guys. Isaac Okoro jersey. One of those guys is getting minutes for his team. The other one just got benched for an undrafted XFL player. But see, One of them is averaging one point a game. <laughs> Hey, One. he's got a cool name on the back of the jersey. A Cora, okay. See, I like some of those more cool obscure name, cool jerseys. Number. Exactly. I didn't want to get some boring jersey. No, I've never Dude, seen anybody if you want, else if you want I was jersey. thinking about getting a Charlie Hewlett jersey. If, if you want an obscure jersey, get Jetty Osman. At least, at least Jetty's like a meme. Like people would like know that. I see Isaac a Cor- like. Or get Drippy Dean. When you Drippy Dean. Like when you go to Browns games, you'll see random obscure jerseys and you're like, Well, yeah, because we thought that guy was going to be good. If you just if you're at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse and you see an Isaac Okoro jersey, you're thinking, What was that person thinking? And I have worn it to games too. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, point proven. But I also have a Dwayne Wade Cavs jersey that I like more than the Okoro. <laughs> Dude, the Dwayne Wade, that actually sounds pretty nice. It's just I, cool. I forget that era of Cavs basketball. I went to that home opener. I think like we D-Rose, all. Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade, I was at that first game of that. I that think we all just like psychologically just put it in the back of our mind just because we had him and Derek Rose, Isaiah Thomas. It's like we literally flipped the entire team midseason. That was yes. the only Slop ones we roster. kept were like LeBron, Jetty, Kevin Love, and Tristan. And it all and we somehow made it back to the finals, and it came down to George Hill missing those free throws. And Even J- though we all want to blame J.R. Smith, which yeah, no, he gets most of the blame. But George Hill, man, he went just make one of those, and we're fine, dude. Absolutely, yeah, we don't get swept. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about 
Cavs Celtics on Friday night. Yes. The game where Donovan Mitchell and Karis Levert both scored 41 points. Evan Mobley also contributed with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Jared Allen with 11 rebounds and 12 points. And they did win that game 132 to 123 in overtime. What are your takeaways from our win over the Celtics on Friday? So my biggest takeaway, I went back and watched the highlights. And when you watch them on the NBA's YouTube channel, they play the home team's broadcast That's over right. them. And so I had got to, I got the chance to listen to the Celtics play-by-play like perspective on that. There were points where the Cavs were down double digits. And they were still alluding like, you know, this team keeps fighting back. And, you know, for them to mention that like several times just from like the snippets that the NBA deemed worthy for a highlight, you know, that shows like how the Cavs are being viewed around the league. Like they are being taken very seriously. And I think Friday night was a, you know, call to the rest of the league. It's like we are here. We are younger than you. And we will soon be better than you if we aren't now. Yeah. And in many ways, it does remind me kind of of the Guardiac kids in that, no matter how much we're down by, we still find ways to rally back. Oh, definitely. But what I say with that, the Guardiac kids didn't have four All-Stars. Yeah, good point. We have and four, no one took them real seriously. We have for the four time. certified All-Stars. This is, that was, Friday night was a message. Mm-hmm. Can we call them the Guardiac Cavs or something? Because <laughs> it's like it's the same thing. We got such a young, talented team. We got a bunch of All-Stars. They're always coming back. No matter how much we're down by, we're always finding ways to rally. I feel like we've got to have some sort of nickname for these guys. They're letting them know. They're the they're knowers. Them know. they're the that's, knowers. A, that's a hashtag. It's not the same. They're the, the rock. They're the knowers. I know. Knowers. I know. I know. We use no. the knowers. No, we're not. You using heard it here it. first. The Matt knowers. No. The knowers. <laughs> oh no no. I know that we like to call them the cavalanche too. Uh, no, so. that, that's that's what happens when they go on like a huge run. That's a cavalanche. Uh, it's like an eighteen point run. Yeah. Well, we don't have sex land anymore so we got to come up with something new so listeners the spider verse the spider verse spider verse Ooh, that's good that's really good i like that but you yes. should fans if you have that the, you cav- that. the calves have entered the spider verse <laughs> i yes. redeem myself i totally was, redeem myself that was a great one let's talk a little bit about the other side of this matchup the celtics good spread by their team as well jalen brown with 32 points, Jason Tatum with 32 points, Al Horford with 12, and Marcus Smart with 11. What are your takeaways from Boston as they are viewed as one of the top contenders in the East, although I I predicted them to not be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they're the defending Eastern Conference champions. I mean, they were they were in the NBA Finals. They took Golden State to six. You know, they are a very good team. That Brown and Tatum uh, tandem is incredible. So, you know, they're going to go off, but, I mean, you you responded. I think that's my biggest takeaway. They punched, and you punched back. Yep. I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. They are one of the best teams there is in the East, and the Cavs are just finding a way to not only win games, but win games against these powerhouse teams. And so I think that puts them at a very high status. In fact, I have them in my top three. Ooh. Ooh. Not to not to spoil anything here, but, Ooh. but you yeah, guys- I said it. Do you guys find it odd that Blake Griffin is on the Celtics wearing number 91? I saw that. I'm like, this does not look right. It's a yeah. product that, of how many retired numbers the Celtics have. It's like the Yankees of like because you know the Yankees don't have any single digit numbers left, and it's like the Celtics. Like, eventually, you're going to run out of numbers. I think yeah. they will. 
Oh, I, I think that for you to have your number retired, you have to have like one of the biggest impacts on the game of all time. That's why I really like how the Browns, they only have three. They have five numbers retired, but two of them were for honorary purposes because of players you know, dying like as they were mm-hmm. you know, still on the team. Right. But they only have Jim Brown, Lou Groza, and Otto Graham. They don't have like Ozzie Newsome. They don't have Paul Warfield. Um, eventually, they might have Joe Thomas, but yeah, I'm not Johnny sure. But, there too. <laughs> but like, what I don't like is in the NBA where there's all these numbers that are retired. Like even the Cavs, we have Nate Thurman retired, and he played for us for like not even two full seasons. Right. So oh. you have to have like he was a warrior. Yeah, he was a warrior through and through. Um, did make a good impact in his short career here, but still, is that enough for you to have your number retired? Mm-hmm. So I really think that teams need to like be a lot more picky. Like there are some teams like the Cowboys, they don't even have numbers retired. They don't believe in that system. So I don't know. That's just my take on it. Kind of going off topic here. <laughs> Definitely, I like that little side tangent. I, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> Before we move off of the Cleveland Cavaliers and sticking with the NBA, let's preview tonight's game versus the New York Knicks at home. The Knicks are coming in at three and two, and the Cavaliers, like you said, Matt, are four and one. What are your predictions for tonight's contest? You want to know what I want to see? You know how like New York was so confident they were going to land Donovan Mitchell. Yes, and, like they like Knicks fans thought it was when, not if. And they're like, all oh, the closer to the season, the lower the asking price is going to be. We're going to be in the playoffs. I want Donovan Mitchell to just make Knicks fans cry. <laughs> yes. I want like I want like he posterizes Julius Randle, another like thirty point performance, just something absurd. Hundred million dollars of Jalen. Some Benson. I want something absurd that makes those eight million residents in New York City collectively weep. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see that. That's what I want to see tonight. I I couldn't agree more. To avenge that Yankee series, I I hope that. That happens, and I my prediction is for tonight is that the Cavaliers win, um, hopefully by more. If if what you're saying is true, but one fourteen to ninety nine. Ooh, even f- specifics. I like it. Specifics in NBA. That like that takes <laughs> that takes cojones to like predict a final score. If you were to get that correct, Dan, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you. Give a, you I'll, I need, I need something. I'll give you a handshake, and I will buy you lunch. Does I'll that sound you, fine? I'll give you my Okoro jersey. How about that? Does, does I that feel like I feel like his lunch is more valuable than your jersey. <laughs> the Okoro jersey. Well, but I, I want I want something nice. So, all right, lunch of your choice if you get that right. All right, and a handshake. How first. about a nice steak dinner? No, I offered you lunch. Okay. He's thinking okay. like Chick Fil A in the student union type. No, I'll take him to like Diamond Deli or something. Okay. Somewhere nice. I get Chick Fil A like every day. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's switch off of the Cleveland Cavaliers, but stay with the NBA for the last ten minutes of our segment. The Lakers zero and five to start the season, and they are the last winless team in the league. Ooh, seen that Big coming. time struggling oh, boy. from the from Russell Westbrook. What are your guys' thoughts on the Lakers, and how do you think LeBron James is feeling at the moment? I mean, did we really expect to see much improvement from last season? No. I. That's why I'm not surprised by any of this. I mean, should they have won a game by now? Yeah, probably with all that talent. But we've seen that the NBA sometimes is not all about talent. Sometimes you have too much talent or talent, so to speak, because Westbrook hasn't really been that guy and. Who knows how many years? So I'm really not surprised by this start, and something's really got to change if the Lakers want to be legit. Yeah, what the Lakers front office do, front office is doing that is basketball malpractice. I don't get how you have LeBron James yet you refuse to surround him with shooters. Like I I, I think that's that's something the Cavs did right his second time around. They're like, okay, 
You need a guy to stand in the corner and hit threes? Deal. Yep. We'll Here's J.R. Smith. You, you want another guy that can hit threes from half court? Here's J.R. You want another playmaking guy so you can get some rest? Here's Kyrie. Corver. Need someone off the bench? Here's Iman Shumpert. Exactly. Like, I, Kyle Corver. Th- Kyle Corver. The Lakers have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like I, So I watched a bit of the Nuggets game when they played Denver, I think, Thursday night. Denver was not stepping out of the paint. They would be uncontested beyond the three-point arc because the team shooting 8%. They were daring them to shoot Man. threes. It is just, they are awful. And that is only, only on the shoulders of their front office and Rob Palenka. That is just, I, I, I'm speechless with how <laughs> poorly constructed that team is and how they thought it would even be remotely competitive. What yep. do you see the team doing with Russell Westbrook? Can you, I, Westbrook, I. What can you do? He's off the bench right now. Like what? For the what first can time you, in his he's off, Who's going to want him? Pat Beverly is starting over him. Pat Beverly's also bad. Hot take. I'll take him in Miami. Westbrook, okay, go ahead. Okay. I would take him. I'll go I ahead. I think he they would, fit they would, so much better with a younger roster. They would thank you. The Lakers would thank you. I would take him, but I feel like LeBron, the would, LeBron would come back home and give you a hug, <laughs> specifically you. I feel like <laughs> the Lakers' asking price for him would just be way too high for any team, though. Like they're they're valuing him as if he is still Oklahoma City Russell Westbrook. The Lakers are just, not, the Lakers are a train wreck. Nothing that for, nothing that organization thinks internally should be taken seriously throughout the league. I no think LeGM needs to come back. I would love that. Can we trade, like, Raul Neto and Isaac Okoro for Let's, LeBron James? Rig the draft so we get Bronny and we just get four more rings? Anyone you, else oppose? I mean, I don't want to mess with this team. I'm just saying that LeBron needs to step up and be the GM of the Lakers instead of whoever's running that ship right Spring now. Back. Bus and Rob Polinka. Bronze stands. Calling all bronze stands. Find a loophole in the extension he signed, and let's find a way to get him back here. Okay? <laughs> you hear me? Pull up his contract, start reading it, all right? All right? (laughs) All right, guys. We'll move away from the boring L.A. Lakers and talk a little bit about our top three teams in the East and West and also give our finals matchup and championship favorite. So, Dan, I'll have you go through yours first. You can go all the way through until your championship favorite. All right, my top three, I would have to go Bucks, Cavs, Hawks in the East. And then the West, I got Phoenix, Golden State, even though their record doesn't necessarily show that right now. But it's still super early in the season. And then right behind them, I got Memphis. So it's it's looking tough. I think the West has improved a lot. I think the East is really anyone's take. Um, but you know what? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say it. I have the Cavs making it back to the finals. Oh, boy. Wow. I said it. And then in the West, uh, I don't want to say Golden State, but it just might be again. Oh, Wow. Cavs Warriors and the Spider. Wouldn't that be crazy? Cavs Warriors in the Spider Verse without LeBron too. That would be such a crazy match. I think he would cry himself to sleep watching that game. He would. Wow. I think he would cry himself to sleep while his team sits at the bottom of the standings. You yeah. know what? It's early in the season. I'm going bold. I'm going to say Cavs and Warriors. I could honestly see it. That's not even that far fetched. Right, well, who who do you have winning the series? Are you going to humble us there? Yeah. Uh, uh do I have to choose a winner? No. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. Unfortunately. Uh, the producer says yes. Fine. I'm going to go Cavs and seven. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Cavs and seven. Let's go. Dan, I was not expecting, like, 
Cleveland optimist Dan Groen this morning. <laughs> this is the same guy that made fun of Pat Weber's homerism just it's, a few days ago. It's because it's because the Browns don't play. He can't get sad today. Yeah, That's true. That's yeah, fine. I'm feeling I'm feeling overly optimistic. The Browns can't right ruin my day today. Isn't that great? They can ruin my day tomorrow, but. We'll get to that later. At least that's a night. You just, if they're losing, you just go to bed. Your day's over. I'm, I'm going to be at the game, so I'll have to fight, oh, the, yeah, I'll have to right. fight the traffic. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's essentially the same thing. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, I'll kick it over to you. What is your top three in each conference, your finals matchup, and your winner? All right, top three, Milwaukee Bucks. They're still undefeated. Giannis is the best player in the league. The Boston Celtics, you know, we just beat them. They're still the defending Eastern Conference champions. I'm going to respect them until they prove they don't, you know, have respect earned. And number three, homerism, the Cleveland Cavaliers. In the West, Portland sits at 5-1 right now. So they're like my dark horse contender, and I'm just putting them out there now because I took this as like an early season power rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, I've got Phoenix. You, you know, they still have Chris Paul. They still have Devin Booker. And then I was... Like Dan was, I was stuck between Memphis and Golden State for my third. Since he picked Golden State, I'll pick Memphis for some diversity of okay <laughs> of the show. And my finals prediction: Milwaukee versus Golden State. All right, I think that'd be a great series. That's a good series. And who's your winner in that? I want to give it to Giannis, but I think Steph Curry goes back to back. Finals MVP too. You think Steph Curry? I feel like someone obscure is going to get Like Jordan Poole's going to get <laughs> it. Always, Wouldn't that be yeah. crazy? Like something, something, obs- Probably. something obscure. Steph has bad luck with that. That's very true. For me, in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks won. I know you thought I would say something else, but it's just the obvious pick. The Milwaukee Bucks won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm, I still got to go with the Heat, man. Rough oh, start, buddy. but of course just give them time, man. You would understand. The culture will get us there. The culture will get us there. And three, I'll give it to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Homerism. I really do think that they are that strong of a team, and Donovan Mitchell makes that big of an impact for them. In the West, I'm going to go Golden State 1. Even though it's not showing that way right now, they're yeah. still the best team in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Two, I would also go with the Memphis Grizzlies, Matt. Okay. I think that's a great pick this year. John Morant has been going crazy. Mm-hmm. And three, give it time. The New Orleans Pelicans. I'm telling you. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Zion Williamson will make an impact. He just has to finally get back into his groove. I like that a lot. In the finals, in the West, I'm sticking with Golden State. Consensus here. I'm going with the Heat. I'm going with the Heat in the finals. See, at least my homerism has some backing to it. I'm I'm going with the Heat in five. Is that what you have? I actually... Heat and six. I'm going okay. Heat and six, and my Finals MVP is Boy Wonder. It's okay, Tyler man. Hero. You just you just don't Tyler get Hero. Oh, MVP. Boy Wonder. Oh my god! You guys will all see one day. You just don't understand. Tyler, yeah, I guess I guess Ty- we don't. You're right. I Tyler guess Hero is American Jetty Osman. Hey, Tyler Hero brought us all the way back versus the Kings last night. You just don't you don't understand. You got to trust the process, man. I promise. That was Philly. Our, our process is different. All right, all right. It's I'll, the culture. The culture I'll, will guide us there. I'll let you wrap it up and get to break. <laughs> all right, we're going to head into our next break, as Matt alluded to. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the World Series, talking a little bit of NHL from Dan Groen, and we will also get into our Hot Mic segment. You won't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here on Z88.
Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Power Talk. We are into our second hour of the show. Joining me here on today's show is... Yeah, uh, excuse me, Dan Groen. And Matt Permuka. Hey, this is your 12 p.m. reminder. Set your fantasy lineups. Inactive reports are out. Set your lineups. Set your lineups from fantasy expert Matt Permuka. Yeah. Might be a little bit late for that because of the London games. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, Matt, do you have an update oh, well. on that game? So the London game, actually, a little tangent about that. You know, I pay for Sunday Ticket and NFL Plus so I can watch every game. That game is exclusively on ESPN Plus. So all the money I spend on NFL streaming services still can't get me access to it. So, you know, I, I would have to look on my phone or on the computer right now to give you a score update, which I don't have in front of me. So <laughs> sorry about that. I'll take, a, I'll take a look right now. All right. But before, while I'm checking that out for us, we are going to be talking a little bit about the World Series. Obviously, we are the three up here at WZIP that are probably the least versed in Baseball. Way to build credibility for this segment, Logan. Way to really... So it could be fun. It could be entertaining. Way to really get the audience engaged. It could actually be quite entertaining. We don't know much, but we're funny. We'll give it a whirl. So, here's a score update for you. The Broncos are up 14-10 to with seven minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Okay, thank you for that. And for those of you who don't know, that game is between the Broncos and the Jaguars. It's being played in London Mm -hmm. as a part of the London Games series. But... After that score update, we will switch over to the World Series. Currently between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. The series is tied at 1-1. Game 1's final score was 5-2. And that was one, or excuse me, Game 1's final score was 6-5, won by the Philadelphia Phillies. Game 2 was won by the Astros, 5-2. Guys, what are your thoughts on the World Series so far? And especially coming from Game 1, that comeback by the Philadelphia Phillies. So I thought game one was very entertaining. I was actually able to uh, watch most of that game. Uh, what like what an ending to that. Philly like Philly is you know, they're the Guardiac kids of the uh of the National League. You know, that ragtag team that stumbled mm-hmm. their way in there and not even ninety wins either. Yeah, eighty seven wins and they are three wins away from a World Series championship. Absolutely insane. For them to just yeah, they demoralized Houston, and that was probably my favorite part of that because I love watching just top-tier teams lose yeah. any sport. Yep, pretty much. And then uh, my takeaways is that uh, Philly's pitching did really well as well. Um, their starter, Nola, got five strikeouts, and then the bullpen uh, finished with another six or seven. Yeah, six, actually. Um, so that was right, seven. They had 12 strikeouts in total, and so I think that you know, this team, like you said, really kind of resembles a lot of what the Guardia kids were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you guys, actually, before I even get into that, yeah. it's a great time for Philly sports right now. It is. The it Eagles is. are on fire. Oh, no, and get this. All right, so I told Dan this uh, pre-show. The Thursday night football game for this upcoming week is Houston at Philly. Wow. So they will have the World Se- They will have three games in Philly for the World Series and Thursday night football. Wow. Pray for the livers of Philly diehard fans this <laughs> right. weekend. They're going to have a time. I hope it turns out well for them because that city's fun to watch when they win. It is very fun to watch. They are a very passionate fan base. I still I sports. remember their Super Bowl celebrations. I would love to see a World Series celebration. That'd actually be cool. And plus, I don't like the Astros at all. Yeah. No. It could also be a terrible week for Houston. What if they lose the World Series and lose Thursday Night Football? That would be... That'd be something. Then they'd have the Rockets. The Rockets. <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. My favorite player. 
Okay. <laughs> so our normal host, Jake Murren, Evo Mr. Jake Murren's favorite segment on this show is the Player of the Week segment, where each of us pick a Player of the Week in the MLB. Right now it's a little bit smaller because it's just the World Series, so I'll call it the World Series Player of the Week. Dan, I'll start with you. Who did you choose as the World Series Player of the Week? I'll give you who it is not, and that was the player who was caught rubbing the ball with some sort of uh, sticky substance there. Uh, I I can't put my name on, or I can't put my finger on who it was. I thought it was their starting pitcher yesterday. It might have been. Okay. I don't know. It just goes to show how much I've I, uh, been watching. For the, for the Astros or for yeah, the Yeah, for the Astros. Yeah, Houston the asterisks. The, I always call them Houston the Astros. Asterisks. Yes. I believe that was Valdez. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I will go with not him because, you know, aren't, aren't you trying to get rid of that whole cheating notion there? But, right. And then it just makes it – I think it's really funny how – you know, Aaron Savali was checked for some sticky substance after he was pretty much terrible. Yeah, he he was terrible, and he was he was, you know, booted out of the game. And they're still like checking his hands and his hair and everything. It was like, what are you doing? So I don't know. I I just don't get it. Matt, how about you? All right. So you alluded to this is Jake's favorite segment. Last time I was on with Jake, uh, I pretty much made him hate this segment because my player of the week <laughs> was a hot dog. <laughs> it was mustard. <laughs> mustard. This week, though, I think I'm going to redeem myself in Jake's eyes. I'm actually going to say it's the home plate umpire from game one. Okay. So did you guys watch the game in extras? Yes. Okay, so for those that don't, it was one out. All right, Houston had two runners on, one out, t- uh, bottom of the 10th. The uh, batter, I forget who it was at the time, leaned into a pitch and, you know, thought he was going to get a free base to load the bases with one out in the bottom of the 10th to, like, potentially walk it off for the top of the lineup. The umpire caught it perfectly. It was the most subtle lean-in ever, and the umpire made that call. He had the cojones to bring him back because he was trotting to first base, and he called him out right then and there. Wow. I'm... Look, I'm a big proponent of robot umpires, but, you know, it's only fair to call a... Call it how it is. That was a perfect call in the moment. So shout out to that umpire. Only time you will ever hear these words come out of my mouth. Perfect call. Good job, MLB officiating. Don't get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) My player of the week for the World Series, I'm just going to give it to Bryce Harper. Purely, like Jake always says, it doesn't have to be for performance. It doesn't have to be for any specific reason. And the reason I'm giving it to Bryce Harper is his energy for the Phillies. Yes. I like seeing all the posts about how energized he is when he's on the field. He's always pumping up the fans, always pumping up his teammates, and he's productive on the field as well. So Bryce Harper is my player of the week segment. And you know what, guys? We have a double whammy because I'm also going to use Around the Rue in this MLB segment. Ooh, okay. Our Around the Rue for this week, if you don't know what Around the Rue is, is where we debate around the table and bring the question to you on our Twitter at WZIP Sports. This week's, tw- this week's Around the Rue is going to be after your team is eliminated from the playoffs, are you still watching baseball? See, that's a good question. What are your thoughts? Um, So this pertains just to baseball, right? Yes. If your team, for us, it's the Guardians. If the Guardians were to be, or when the Guardians are eliminated from the playoffs, are you as a casual baseball fan still watching any baseball consistently? Not even like tuning in here and there. Are you still consistently paying attention to the playoffs? No, I am not because my focus is on football, basketball, and hockey at that point. Mm. 
Matt? Uh, see, for me, one of my roommates is a Yankee fan, so I kind of had to just to like you know, make sure he wasn't happy after <laughs> I wasn't happy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I watched the uh, ALCS uh, pretty in-depth just so I could make fun of him. Uh, but, you know, World Series, I mean, I'm tuning in here and there. I know, you know, it was Halloween weekend. I'm sure most of us were out and about, so we probably just tuned in here and there if we tuned in at all. So, I mean, that, that's pretty much how I stand. I will still make an attempt to, you know, just check in here and there, but I'm not, you know, cutting out four hours of my day to watch right. a baseball game since the guards are out. So I'm an absolute hard no on that question. I don't watch the Guardians all the way through the regular season. I start paying attention when they're in the playoffs, oh, and the wow. second that they're eliminated, I'm not paying attention anymore. Oh, not, dude, I have okay. no interest in the sport of baseball, especially on television. I'll go to Guardians games here and there. But I have no interest in watching it on TV, especially if it is not a team that I care about watching. Okay. I know that sounds harsh. but That was, te- that was terrible. It's just <laughs> hard to watch on TV. It's so long. And it's, it's not a team that you know what you I'm do? interested in. Why would I watch it? You know what you do? You listen on the radio, listen to Tom Hamilton. He, oh, definitely. He brings the – and I like our TV commentators too. Don't get me wrong. Chris but, Manning's elite. <laughs> his, yes. his bloopers are the best. Yes, I love them. But, you know, just – like, when I listen to him on the radio, I'm usually, like, door dashing or driving somewhere or something. And I just love listening to Tom Hamilton uh, making the calls. Absolutely. Guys, who is your pick to win Game 3? And then who is your pick to win the series? You don't even have to go in-depth about it too much. What, uh, who are your picks? Uh, game three is in Philly. Philly's got the energy. I'll pick the Philadelphia Phillies to win Game 3 and to take the series in six. Okay. Wow. All right, I got Philly winning this game, but I think Houston ultimately has the more talent on the team, so I'm going to go with Houston to win in six. I'm also going to take that with you, Dan, as well, Houston in six, but I do have Philly winning game three. Transitioning away from the World Series, let's talk a little bit about the Guardians before we get into Dan's power play with the NHL. The Guardians offseason, biggest name to watch, Shane Bieber. Are you re-signing him or letting him walk? I think you kind of have to resign him. I don't yeah. think I don't think that's really a question. If you're Paul Dolan, you hand him a piece of paper and you say, "Please don't write a number too big, but write <laughs> write something that you think is fair." We'll give you a free hot dog as a signing bonus. <laughs> you mustard, yeah, mustard will wear your jersey <laughs> through all of the hot dog derbies next year. Yes, yeah, yeah, I like that. That so. would that would do it. He'd sign right then and there. Yeah, no extra money. Yeah, I I agree um, with all of that pretty much. Um, you got you got to pay the man. I mean, he's when he's healthy and when he's on fire, he's one of the best pitchers there is in the game. I don't see how you can just let him go. We didn't have a meltdown of him not starting game five to not have him start another game in a Guardians uniform. <laughs> yeah, exactly, absolutely. Who would you guys want to target in free agency? Who would be the biggest name, realistically, that the Guardians could bring in to help this team? You know, I know Jose Abreu's name's been thrown around there at all, but I will just take any first baseman or any power hitter because I think that's the one thing this team's lacking. Naylor was fine defensively, but I would rather see him be in a DH role and just get an everyday first baseman in there. I think that could really add to this team. Yeah, I would go with another power hitter as well. Um whether it's Altuve or not, or Abreu, sorry. Um, but we just need that power hitter because we've we've seen how not having that power home run hitter kind of affects us in the in the playoffs against teams like the Yankees where they thrive off of home runs. So anyone who can hit home runs, no matter what ballpark you're in, you know, what, what Fran Mill Reyes was supposed to be, bring that player in. Perfect. Definitely. Perfect. I would agree. I actually, I like the Jose Abreu tweets. I, I could see it. 
but we also have Paul Dolan as an owner. So well, he he's he's slowly phasing his way out. He's, yes, yes. So I I I, there, I have glimmers of optimism, and I think after seeing this season, he might realize we're closer than what we originally thought. So maybe he opens up his pockets a little more. For sure. So I mean, hey, his son's out of the po- his son's out of politics now. He can't put all his money in that. He has no <laughs> excuse not to spend. So. Definitely. Switching away from the MLB, it is time for Dan Groen's live power play. A quick yeah, update right. on the NFL. Dan, what do you got for us? Sports power. Play. Wait, we got to do the intro first. <laughs> All right, there we go. So, <laughs> the Blue Jackets are sitting in dead last in the Metro with a record of 3-6. and six. They also got booed off their own ice through two periods of play against the Boston Bruins and also after the loss against Pittsburgh, where at the end it was nothing but Pittsburgh fans at Nationwide Arena. Part of this could be blamed on goaltending. Elvis Merzlikens is sitting at a 863 save percentage and a goals against average of 4.31. Elvis has been one of the most disappointing facets of this team, but the struggles don't stop there. The Blue Jackets have failed to put up any sort of power play efficiency and have allowed several shorthanded goals in the process. The defense is also looking abysmal, but the only bright spots are on the offense with Johnny Gaudreau and others um, accompanying him. The Jackets have some serious questions to answer for their future, such as, is Elvis Merzlikens really the long-term answer at goalie, and if Brad Larson is the answer at head coach? While it's still early in the season, they got to decide if they want to get their stuff together and make a push for the Cup, or if they're going to tank hard for Connor Bedard. So that is the power play with Dan. Yo, can I just say something real quick? Excellent yes. job, Dan. I had never heard your sound. Like, I've, I've heard your sounder, but, like, I've never <laughs> heard it on air. And because like, for, my microphone was having issues pre-show, so I thought my microphone went out for a minute, and oh, I got man. scared. To, I'm like, are we losing a mic live on air? And then it's like, the power play. With <laughs> and I felt like an idiot, but glad my mic's still working. Glad get, uh, glad you got to talk hockey. So. <laughs> Excellent job, Dan. All right, thank you. But, hey, guys. Do you know what's next? It's everybody's mm. favorite segment here yes. on Sports Power Talk. It's time for Hot Mike. Hot Mike is our segment where you as the fans have a chance to send in questions on our Twitter at WZIP Sports. I'm going to start going through the list. Our first question comes in from Zips Barstool, one of our favorite accounts yes. here at WZIP Sports. And their question is, before the basketball preview next week, what are your early thoughts about the Zips men's basketball team being picked to finish third in the preseason MAC coaches poll? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, you know, you lost some people in the transfer portal, but you're the defending MAC champion. So, I mean, just get to Cleveland for MAC play, MAC tournament play, and that's that's all you can ask for, just a shot. Yeah, these rankings, they don't mean much, but I really think that the Zips should be number one, to be honest, or at least number two. I think three is a little bit of uh, not giving them enough credit, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I think I would probably have put them at two, at least. I understand that the loss of Ali Ali is looked upon as very big for the Zips, Mm -hmm. but I also think that it's not that big of a lot. We still have Enrique. We still have Mm -hmm. Castaneda. I don't think all that much changes with the loss of Ali Ali. Maybe some defensive presence. I'm like, well, third's not bad either. Like, no. third, like I mean, it's not, but yeah, no. Definitely Ideally, not. we'd be higher. Yes, I would agree. I would put the Zips at two. To be honest with you, look, we're still contending for the MAC championship. That's all that matters in the end. Yep. All right. Next up, we have Cam, who was one of our frequently 
frequent question askers here on Sports Power Talk. He has a couple questions here for us. First question from Cam was, for what position is OSU an NFL talent factory? I say defensive end and wide receiver. What are your thoughts? Mm, yeah, we're definitely wide receiver you. I, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think we've had a wide receiver bust come out of Ohio State. No. Uh, the, the defensive end bit, I think that's pretty much just the Bosa brothers. I think Chase Young's quietly kind of like falling back as like a league average defender. So yeah, I would right. say wide receivers for sure. Uh, if you take out the Bosa brothers, I don't think you look at us really as a D-end factory. Dan? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think recently we've been a lot more dominant at defensive end. Um, even offensive line, we've had some really good picks, but I think that wide receiver is probably our strongest position. Definitely. Next question from Cam. Or actually, excuse me, I didn't answer. I would also agree wide receiver for Ohio State. It's just I've never seen anybody bad come out of Ohio State at that position. It's it's crazy, especially oh, yeah. look at what we have right now. I guarantee you none of those players, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, I guarantee you none of them are busts in the NFL. A, a bust for an Ohio State receiver is league average. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's, that's insane. Definitely. Next question from Cam. How confident do you feel about the UM rivalry game? Ooh. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty confident. I I will give us a seventy thirty chance up north. I will give us a seventy thirty shot that we win. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that we're definitely favored. I think that after last year's loss, we'll be very hungry for a comeback uh, to uh, beat them here. But I think that Michigan does pose a pretty good threat as usual. So I'd give it. I'd actually give it. Yeah, I'd say seventy thirty is probably a good good ratio there. I would also say 70-30. It is, of course, a little bit easier to win at home in the shoe. It's Last year, I'm going off of it's a tough environment to win over in that team up north. It is. And I don't like them, but I will give that to them. It's a tough environment. And Ohio State is such a well-rounded team this year. I would go either 60-40 or 70-30. Next question from Cam is, what sport do you think is so boring that you refuse to watch it? Mine is soccer. Cam, I strongly disagree with you, but we'll get into that. See, I've never been a soccer fan, but ever since I started working our Zips games, I've kind of had a new appreciation for it. Um, not that I'm going to go out of my way to watch a soccer game, but I don't hate it as much as I used to. Um, but as far as far as sports that are too boring, I would have to say golf because I'm, I'm just not a golf fan as far as watching it. I'm, you know, playing, it's fun, but I just can't sit down, turn on the TV and watch golf and get much satisfaction out of it. See, I kind of like watching golf, but the sport for me, like when I see this on my TV, I get frustrated and sad. Tennis. Mm. Like in the summer when I turn on, like, all right, time to watch Sports Center or something, and it's breakfast at Wimbledon. It's like, please end it. I would rather, yeah. I would rather watch two baseball teams that I don't care about than have to sit there pretending to know what's happening on a tennis match. I, I cannot stand tennis. I'm going to go with tennis as well. It's just so, like, don't get me wrong. It's athletes fa- like Serena f- Williams, like, Nadal, they're fantastic athletes. I'm yeah, not discrediting it's, that. It's fast but paced. But from a fan perspective, I cannot watch that on TV. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just so boring. It's slow. I don't understand the game. I don't understand what they're saying, what the commentators are doing. How does the scoring work? Like, right. You go from numbers to words. Like, Yeah. It's like you start with love, and then you go to 15, and then, like, right. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. And Cam's last question for us is hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Not a question. Yeah. Hamburgers all the way. Hamburgers, definitely. Great questions, Cam. Thank you so much. 
He also says not a Q, but JT for governor, referring to the defensive performance from JT at Ohio State. I'd vote for him. Definitely. Yeah. Next question we have comes from Kelly Craig. We touched on this a little bit earlier in the show, so we can briefly go back to it. What are your thoughts on the Lakers this season, and why are they 0-5? They're bad. That's why they're 0-5. Yep, their Those front are... office is abysmal. Yeah, that's, yes. a, that's all I can poor, say. Poor front office performance for the Lakers would be why they're And they still have uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, they can't shoot, and they are old. Definitely. So. All the above. Yes. Next question comes in from Joe Barry. He says, NBA MVP pick, question mark. Honestly, do you want some real homerism? Okay. If the Cavs win 50-something games and Donovan Mitchell's averaging 27-28, why not him? Ooh, I like it. Why not him? I really like that. You know what? Why not? You're right. It's like he's playing at an MVP. We talked about this in our group chat. We're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. We talked about it in our group chat. He's the uh, three-day MVP, but I think it's been more than three days. So, you know, if he keeps playing like he's playing, then I don't see why he can't be in the uh, conversation. I would agree. But my pick for the MVP... Don't say Jimmy Butler. ...is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Buckets is going to lead the Miami Heat to a finals appearance, if not a finals win. And Jimmy Butler will win finals MVP, and he will also win league MVP. You guys will all see it's propelled by the culture. You know, I'll be waiting for it. You, know, you can send us the uh, 2K My League screenshots. I'll believe you then. <laughs> Next question we have comes in from Zach Stratton. He says, the Cavs have a good young core and look poised for success. Are they a complete enough team to win the finals now? We also touched on this a little bit, so we'll briefly go back to it. What are your thoughts? I don't think now. I still think you need Evan Mobley to mature a little bit more just into his body. And just the day Evan Mobley becomes the franchise's best player, is the day you are a finals contender. And I am so eager for that day. I think it'll be next season, but you know, we'll, we'll go as far as Mobley progresses this year. If we're talking about our young core right now, I think they do have what it takes. I mean, when you look at each position, it's like, do you really see a, like a glaring need of like to upgrade at any, po- my, at any position? My only thing we lack is experience, I would yeah. say, playoff experience. So that's why I think we're a year or two out. Yeah, and that's fair. But I think that with the young core that we have, I think that the talent is definitely there, and I think that they are championship caliber, whether that's this year, like I said earlier, or whether that's next year, like you're Mm -hmm. saying. Definitely. And his next question was, when Deshaun Watson comes back, how many games can he win? Look, you're paying him a quarter billion dollars, and you put your fan base through all sorts of mental gymnastics this offseason. He has to win five, if not all of them. He... I... He doesn't get to be rusty, in my opinion. He did, from from ha- this whole debacle with this franchise, he does not get to be anything less than what you paid him, and that's the best quarterback in the league. You no. paid him top quarterback league money. That's what you have to expect. That's what he needs to put out there. Absolutely. So he he's got to go five and one at least. I'd agree. Yeah, he's he's had, I think four wins is probably the limit for him. I think that's. Just because with how the season's going, I don't think he's got a whole lot to work with, to yeah, be he, honest. He can't play defense. and he, yeah. yeah, Definitely. Next question. I actually would like to personally answer this one. This one comes in from Jake Mern, a goat, another frequent question asker uh, here. And he says, thoughts on the Heat being trash. You want to know my thoughts? No, I don't. No. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. End of question. <laughs> are or did you guys dress up for Halloween? If so, what did you dress up as? Also from Jake Mern, a goat. Jake Mern, a goat, check out our tweet on WZIP Sports. I think he already did. He said, dub Dan for me. Good, good. Mm -hmm. Being the uh, uh, 
depressed Browns fan that I am. Matt, I, to repeat to the listeners, what are you dressed as? I'm dressed as Scooby-Doo, except I bought two of these costumes. <laughs> And I am dressed as a Cleveland Browns vintage coat. I have my vintage jacket on and my Xbox headset to look like I'm a coach. Next question we have. It comes in from Jake Mern, who is currently coming back from the CBI Awards, along with some of our other directors, Alex Henry and Logan Buchanan. And his question is, Alex, Logan, and I are on our way home from the CBI Awards and are curious to hear Logan Congrove's thoughts on the Heat's loss to the winless Kings last night. And he also subtweeted my quote saying that Tyler Hero had a great comeback. (laughs) And as I said on Twitter, Jake, they were down by 40. And Tyler Hero dropped 32 points to bring them back, trailing 104 to 102 with five minutes left. Still lost. Doesn't matter. We still lost. The Kings aren't winless anymore. (laughs) It's a tough loss, but it doesn't matter. It's it's very early in the season. Okay. Like I always say, we just don't culture. The culture will get us. We just don't get it, guys. You don't get it. Next questions come in from Jeff. What is the best Halloween candy? Ooh, Um, Kit Kats have always been one of my favorites. So Nestle's Crunch, Reese's for sure. Favorite horror movie. Favorite horror movie? See, I'm not much of a horror movie kind of guy. But I am the biggest like uh, I I hate horror movies. So I'll say, I'll say uh, anything in the Conjuring franchise. I'm not a horror movie guy either. To be honest with you. Yeah. Next question from Jeff is: What is your favorite Akron tradition? That's a great question, actually. We have traditions. You know what? Do we? St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Yes. The city of Akron tradition, not the Zips. Just St. Patrick's Day is my favorite part of Akron. Yeah, I'd say probably the wagon wheel. I think that that tradition with the Akron-Kent rivalry is iconic and one of the most underrated in the nation. I would agree. I think the wagon wheel, even though we have not seen it since 2018, is a great tradition. And a few questions coming in from Dan's friend. Who in Ohio State do you think will have the best NFL career? I'm going to say Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. I would say either him or JT Tuimalau. I would agree. I would say... Probably Marvin Harrison or Jackson Smith and Jigbo when he is healthy. Mm-hmm. Next question is best player in the NFL from Ohio State right now. Oh, I, I'm not an Ohio State fan, so I'm, I'm I can't speed think of something. So pass. Uh, probably Nick Bosa. I think that he's definitely the the best Ohio State alum right now in the NFL. I would agree, Nick Bosa for the 49ers. I would say Ward, but he hasn't been healthy in nope. weeks. Definitely. Next question comes in from Joe Messina, and his question is, who is really in the Victor Wembanyama? Yeah, the French guy. Yes, who's fantastic. I just mispronounced it. Currently, the Heat are leading the draft lottery, so... The heat coach. The heat coach. No, I I want to see you finish 30 and 52. Yes, I do. Not going to happen. It will. Who do you think is getting him, Dan? Uh, I'm saying the Heat. You guys. You guys, (laughs) man. Hey, you got to trust the process. It's you know for the culture. I think is getting him the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's why. Do they have a draft so pick? Bad. I think they do. Okay, I believe they do. And they then, better. last question comes in from Jake Murnigo as well. Did anybody on the show get you to like a sport that you didn't like before? Matt, I'll start with you. Well, uh, you know the man that his fan page is dedicated to, Jake Murn. He made me get into baseball this year with the Cleveland Guardians, and it paid off. I would say. Um, I would say I've been a lot, very, a lot more interested in UFC as of late. Um, I haven't really followed it a ton, but I haven't really paid much attention to UFC at all until I came up here to the station with Jake. Definitely. I would actually give it to you, Dan. You have actually interested me in hockey a little bit more than I would have imagined. Hockey is a pretty cool sport. 
I know it's definitely way more fun to watch in person, and I probably should do that. Dan, I'd love to go with you sometime. Yeah, Anytime. I got season tickets to the Monsters. You can come along with me. Anytime. I'm there. That would be my answer. And now we are going to head into our break. Before we head into the final 30 minutes of our show, we're going to be talking about the NFL with Pickums, recapping Thursday Night Football, and, of course, talking about the Cleveland Frowns. And you will not want to miss it. Stay tuned right here on WZIP. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the final 30 minutes of Sports Power Talk. Once again, I am your host, sitting in for evil Mr. Jake Murren, Logan Congrove. And joining me today is... Dan Groen. And Matt Permuka. And we are back and talking about the National Football League, as we always do to close out our show. Starting off with a recap of Thursday Night Football between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Baltimore Ravens. Recently divorced quarterback Tom Brady oh. looked a little bit rough. Oh, my I, God. I assume why. I would probably be feeling a little bit rough, too, if I blew up my whole family to play football for a team wow. that isn't even winning. Off the leash, Logan. It's, oh it's my only facts. It's gosh. only facts. It's only facts. What were your guys' thoughts on the Buccaneers' collapse to the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I'm still taken aback by your intro <laughs> to this segment. Oh, my gosh. No chill. Oh, yeah. Hey, Tampa Bay. say it. No, you didn't. <laughs> Someone had to no. let the listeners know. All right, you know Tampa Bay. I, what happened? Like, really, that was just a debacle. What that was. Give give credit to Baltimore. I mean, that was a nice second half comeback out of them. But Tampa's offense just could not get anything going. I think Devin White probably had the worst linebacking performance I've ever seen in my life. It was just a collective failure on all aspects of that team. Yep. I mean, that pretty much took the words right out of my mouth, honestly. And I was just surprised to see that the Ravens, you know, coming back like they did. Um, Because I'll be honest, I wasn't watching the entire game because of my internship with 330 to go. Shout out to them. Um, yes, <laughs> um, but what I what what I did see was just like you said, just a complete meltdown from Tampa Bay, and I just do not understand why that happened. Like not just from Tom Brady, but like on all aspects of the team. Definitely, I just think I'm not not to bring it up again, but he did give up his whole life to be playing. That's, I'm assuming. I mean, obviously, I'm not him. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but from what I've gathered, playing football was the reason for his divorce with yeah, his he, wife he of retired, 13 years. Yeah, he retired for 30 days, and he decided that trying to get another Super Bowl ring was a higher priority than his family, I, I guess. I mean, you know, I, the, uh, I can't imagine that's like, easy on him, but it's just... Ah. I was going to say, I will give Tom Brady a pass because I'm sure that was weighing on him in that moment. I'll give him a pass for this week, but... For this week, this is like an but, ongoing process. Like you don't just randomly. Isn't it? Isn't he? He doesn't practice on Wednesdays, correct? Well, everyone get veterans always get Wednesdays off. Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, they, Nick Chubb. They, no one practices on Wednesdays. He also doesn't fly with the team, from what I heard. He flies his own private jet. He, I heard he has no connection with any of his teammates, other than like Mike Evans and stuff. But like I saw the video of him yelling at his offensive line. You can't be yelling at your offensive line. No, every quarterback even, does that. No, but, there's that. Pay, that's, there's the clip of Peyton Manning and Jeff Sack. Saturday that everyone always references. No, you're allowed to. Yeah, you can but get when in their you're face. never even around your teammates. I feel like how do you like make that impression on them? I mean, 
Yeah, he's. I would have to say he's emotionally absent from the team just because all the stuff that's going around. I mean, I don't think that the, the divorce isn't something that just randomly pops right. up. Like this was something that he was dealing with since he made the decision to retire initially. So like this had to have been like this was time in the making. Like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why I think he's emotionally absent, and it's reflecting on the field, because when you can't fully buy in, you can't get the other men in that locker room to buy into you. For sure. And then, you know, you're kind of just a group of guys running around out there, and you're not really cohesive, because that's something that, like, say what you will, when Brady was in Tampa his first two years, they were elite. Yeah. They won a Super Bowl. They looked looked the part, and now they just look discombobulated, and it's because, you know, their emotional leader is not there emotionally. Right. Do you guys think that this game was more of a result of the lack of performance from the Buccaneers, or do you think that Baltimore is playing that good right now? I don't think anyone in the AFC North is really playing that good right now, so I will say it's more of a Tampa Bay collapse, but Greg Roman actually called a decent second half. Typically with Greg Roman, it's the opposite, where the first half he's cooking, and then the second half he just lets his offense stall out. Uh, You know, he flip-flopped it, so good job on Greg Roman getting it right in the clutch this week. So, Yeah, I agree. It's To me, this is more on Tampa Bay than it is uh, on the Ravens. I mean, of course I'm partial and biased as a Browns fan. I don't like to give the Ravens any sort of credit, but from an objective standpoint, I think that this was more of Tampa's kind of meltdown than it was uh, on the Ravens, you know, just having such a huge successful comeback there. For sure. Moving away from Thursday Night Football, unfortunately, we do have to recap the Cleveland Browns' loss to the Baltimore Ravens as well, which happened last week. Matt, I will start with you. What are your takeaways from the loss to Baltimore? Because I'll be honest with you, I was at work, I didn't watch the game, and I got on my break, and I didn't care. It didn't bother me. Do you want something, like, somewhat positive? Sure. We'll 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 try to be positive. Go ahead. The defense actually looked like an average defense and not a dumpster fire. Say what okay. you will about Joe Woods. I mean, he's, he's the most he's ever given up to the Baltimore Ravens is 23. Well, okay. Now, the first year, we I, I'm, I'm not counting when he had to start Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph at safety. <laughs> Since uh, 2021, the most points a Joe Woods defense has given up to the Ravens is 23. Typically, the rule of thumb in the NFL, you hold a team to under 24, you're supposed to win. And we didn't, and it was just a failure on all fronts. Special teams, Mike Prefer needs to go at the Mm -hmm. bye week. Yes, There's no excuse for keeping him. How do you have a snap infraction and a false start on a field goal? Yeah. And and we look at that game so differently. Let's say we didn't get that false start. It's now, and they call it on Baltimore. It's fourth and one after 38, and Nick Chubb's going. Would you go for it there, or would you kick the 51-yarder to tie? I think Stefanski goes for that, and I think Nick Chubb or Jacoby Brissett falls past that first down line, and we have a whole different story right now. Yeah, definitely. I would hope so. But, you know, special teams cost you that. The offense fought back. Jacoby Brissett overcame a double-digit deficit and put you in a situation to win, and then special teams, which, you know, the, the person who the penalty was called on was in place for Wyatt Teller, who missed said game, 
But that has to be on prefer to get him adjusted so you don't have stuff like that happen. Right. Every week there is something new with this team, and they find ways to lose. And it's stemming from one of two people. Mike Prefer special teams, look at the Ravens game and the Jets game, or it's Joe Woods defense and look at the other losses. It's just it's unacceptable from what we thought this team was going to be and what we're getting out of Jacoby Brissett right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jacoby Brissett has been playing as good as we have could have expected. Um, so I'm not sure why we're getting all these like, oh, you need to start Josh Dobbs. Because- so Josh Dobbs, like, that does not make sense to me. Let's start a guy that's thrown eight career passes. No. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, let's bench the guy who's doing about as good as we had expected for a third stringer. Let's dismantle the one unit that's successful. That will really help turn the season around. Yeah, of course. Let's take away success. Right. Let's just play Nick Chubb at wide receiver, too. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's play Nick Chubb everywhere. Yeah, he can play tight end now. He can play left tackle. Nick Chubb at left tackle, <laughs> Josh Dobbs under center. It'll be perfect. He could be our return man, too. Yes. Yeah, Wouldn't that be something? That would. But my takeaways from this game is that even though this loss stung and like you, pretty much everything you were saying, how this is all on special teams, it's it's just one thing after another. But there are some positive things to take away. Uh, one of them is that the defense actually did show up uh, pretty well. Um, at least at times, there was a couple times where you know they were, they were situationally clutch. Yeah, yeah. Like when it mattered most, they actually got some sacks and made some big tackles and everything. They had that fumble at the end of the game too. They yeah. forced that fumble. He went down the field, and then we had the field goal debacle. Ugh. Yeah, and then offensively, we were pretty efficient for the most part. Um, you would like to see Nick Chubb used a, l- a little bit more situationally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's that's kind of a a big uh, argument thing going on on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah, it's you know ridiculous how Let's even just, Nick Chubb is is polarizing people at this point. And my one thing with that: what if we give Nick Chubb the ball forty times and you still lose? Yeah. What if that happens? What if that happens and everyone's mind is blown that Nick Chubb <laughs> now has forty carries, wear and tear, and we have another loss? I don't think, I don't think people would take that into consideration. It'll be the wide receivers' fault then. There's all. It's always someone That's, new to blame every week. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to be blaming uh, Charlie Hewitt. Let's get. How are we going to blame Charlie? How are we going to blame our long snapper for a loss coming up? That, well, That's my bold prediction. Wasn't he the one who had the snap infraction on, or was that someone else? Oh, oh, because was, we just extended him. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because we, you know, we got the money to extend him and the time to extend him, but you know, forbid us, you know, getting a defensive tackle or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, definitely a tough loss for the Cleveland Browns. Before we get into previewing Monday Night Football, which the Browns are playing the Bengals in, let's talk a little bit about the news that's been coming out that the Cleveland Browns would be open to trading Kareem Hunt. I wanted to get your guys' take. If the Browns were to trade Kareem Hunt, what would you be asking for? If you would even let the Browns trade Kareem Hunt. I Go mean, I I don't want us to trade Hunt. Um, you know, I've always been against you know trading players that could be very valuable in our future. But it does not seem like this front office is in any place to be resigning him. So at this point, trade him for whatever you can get out of him. Uh, everyone's saying a fourth round pick, uh, which sounds about fair, uh, at least for the market. I would obviously like more, but it's not going to happen. Uh, I just hope that he goes somewhere where he can be that feature back, where he can have success. Um, I want it to be Buffalo. I don't know if the Browns are going to be willing to trade him to somewhere where we're going to be playing him or playing against him. But just any team that 
is willing to give up a fourth round pick that needs that running back to get them over the hump, which to me is down to the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Rams, uh, that'd be fine with me. See, I think Kareem Hunt, I have no inside information when I say this. I think Monday night, it's either win or fire sale. And I would think I would think you would probably have something in place with like the L.A. Rams or the Buffalo Bills where it's like, hey, if Monday night doesn't go our way and, you know, we're pretty much out of playoff contention, we'll give you Kareem for a fourth or a fifth. And, like you know, maybe even, you know, Jack Conklin might be available, too, because you're probably not going to re-sign either of those guys. Right. So you might as well try to recoup some draft capital. Definitely. I have I have no inside information when I say that. It just (laughs) seems like. Three and five, you're not dead. Two and six, mm, not looking good. Yeah. And I, I thought that that's how the Ravens game was going to be. But considering that they played well for the most well, part, I say that because Monday, the day after the so Tuesday at four p.m. is the deadline. So right. I would assume they probably have something in place, and it's just hey, you know, other team. Yeah. If we do that, you know, Tuesday at twelve thirty, he's yours or something like. Yeah. Good point. But I was thinking like. When you were saying fire sale, I was also thinking of, like, just coaching staff. Like, I didn't think that – I don't think they will fire anyone midseason, but I feel like the pressure would be mounted on them. Or they, they'd at least consider it after, you know, an abysmal loss if we if that's what happens against the Bengals. See, I'm, opt- I'm, I'm somewhat I'm, – I'm oddly confident, believe it or not. I know I kind of just, like, depressed everyone. But for some reason, I am, I have hopes for tomorrow. I don't know why, and I shouldn't, but I do. Okay. So let's get into that game a little bit. Browns are playing the Cincinnati Bengals, who we are historically good against, on Monday Night Football at First Energy Stadium. Matt, you are going to the game, so I'll let you start with what your thoughts for the game are. You said you were optimistic. Why are you optimistic? I'm optimistic. Kevin Stefanski has never lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he's a better coach than Zach Taylor. Jamar Chase injury out. That's that's something that helps the Browns out a lot since you're missing Denzel Ward. I think Martin Emerson and Greg Newsom match up well with Tyler Boyd and uh, T. Higgins. T. Higgins, that's what, thank you. I should not have blanked on that. <laughs> I think they match up well. I think the Browns like to play a lot of quarters coverage, and quarters coverage is really the Bengals' kryptonite. Miles Garrett always does well against that offensive line. I just have a feeling that this not all hope might be lost. Yep, I mean, I feel like I'm going to regret taking the Browns, but... I do have them winning this one because of pretty much everything you said. We're historically good against them. I think that this is going to be a very high-scoring game. I think there's going to be a lot of offense, a lot of points going on the board. And ultimately, I think the Browns are going to walk away with a 35-31 victory. Matt, what's your score prediction? I will say Browns 34, Bengals 23. I'm going to go Cincinnati 28, Cleveland Browns, 14. Oof. I'm not Oof. picking them to win this one. I just, I know so where the fire certain. sale will be going on. See, like, my thing with that is the offense isn't the problem. Like, I don't, outside of New England, no one's really, like, shut us down, like, right. offensively. So, I mean, I, can, I don't get that. New England always just has our number. For oh, some Bill reason. Belichick hates the city of Cleveland after, like, just how he treated him uh, in his yes. last year in Cleveland. He will always hold that grudge against us. We will never beat Bill Belichick. No. Eric Mangini did it on accident with Peyton Hillis. Never, yeah, never that will again. never happen again as long as Bill Belichick is on this earth. Maybe Definitely. that's what we need. Maybe we need the Eric Mangini back. No. <laughs> no. No. Hey, that's who I'm dressed. We'll just say that's who I'm dressed as today. Eric, <laughs> Eric Mangini. 
Just a skinnier Eric Mangini. I yes. like it. Biggest storyline for this game, though, and before we even get into it, Matt, I told you I was going to talk about this on the air. Yes. The yes. biggest storyline for this game is Jamar Chase is now sidelined for four to eight weeks. And why I say I was going to get into this before we even talk about it is Matt and I, in a different fantasy league, Matt, as my fantasy football expert, I consulted him about a trade that I received. Yes. There were multiple offers. This guy wanted Jamar Chase so bad. (laughs) My man Brandon Cobb wanted Jamar Chase from me so bad. And I wasn't about to give him up for nothing. Remind you, this is one day before Jamar Chase. This This was Tuesday night. Yes. And the news came out Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Yes. So, I finally, I was very nervous about taking the trade, and Matt even told me, make sure you get a good return for him. Mm -hmm. So, the deal that I accepted, I traded Jamar Chase, Chase Claypool, and A.J. Dillon for Tony Pollard, Curtis Samuel, Dalvin Cook, Cortland Sutton, and Shuba Hubbard. That is quite the haul. Which, at first, I was nervous. At first, it was like, that could go either way. And then Jamar (laughs) Chase gets hurt. And I get a text from this man, Brandon Cobb, that says, are you serious? I was at my soccer game, and I was like, what is he talking about? Because Brandon Cobb is my manager at Ralph Lauren, so I thought it had something to do with work. And I was like, oh, no. Uh Oh, no. I was like, what's going on? Texted back a question mark. And he said, he sends me a screenshot of Schefter's tweet, and I cracked up laughing. And he was like, you, he's like, you're crazy, man. That's ridiculous. And I was like, hey, man, that's a you problem. That's that's on you now. <laughs> Thanks he, for that. How is he blaming you? Like, do you know, like, a Cincinnati Bengals team doctor know. who just, ra- like, <laughs> hey, trade Jamar <laughs> Chase right now. Like, why? Maybe though, Logan's the one who injured him. He attempted to trade <laughs> Jamar Chase to everybody else in the league, no, thinking that no one else would notice. Oh. But ESPN got him and downgraded him to doubtful immediately after oh man oof so i'm sorry brandon i know that he threw his season away i know that hurts it's gonna hurt you for a while and i'm glad thank you for Cortland sutton thank you for dalvin cook to pair with christian mccaffrey and miles sanders i really appreciate it it's too bad that you're gonna lose the league now it's terribly unfortunate i did trade him mark andrews earlier in the season though got a good return for him too well mark andrews had a shoulder stinger and thursday night so brandon cobb is down in the dumps to say the least poor guy so let's get into it on the nfl actual football side how big of an impact of jamar chase not playing against the cleveland browns is this i think it's a pretty big impact because he is their number one guy he's one of the best receivers in the league but also we got to realize that Joe Burrow loves to do, distribute the ball really well. Uh, they got T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They got a plethora of weapons there in Cincinnati. And I think that's going to spell a lot of trouble for this team. Um, also considering that we have Denzel Ward out. Um, but we do have some really good corners that should be used to their full extent. Because um, they always just seem to find their groove against Cincinnati. So um, even though it's... Even though I think that the Bengals are still going to put up a really good fight, um, I don't know. I think I think that the Browns will uh, end up walking away with this. See, I really think this works out for you since Ward is out because Jamar, like Cincinnati, all of their success is three five step dropbacks. Joe Burrow get throw it to the guy that gets off the line of scrimmage the fastest. Most of the time, that's Jamar Chase. Martin Emerson and Greg Newsom aren't the fastest reaction corners. He's not there. You can play press man on T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd all night. You make Joe Burrow hold on to the football. That offensive line weakens and weakens and dwindles. You pressure him. You force throws. You get some turnovers. You get some sacks. That's how you win. That's how you win tomorrow night. Definitely. 
So before we finish up with our NFL pickums, do you guys think that the Cleveland Browns still have a playoff chance? No. I do. If you win tomorrow night, you steal one against Miami, and you can find a way to beat Tampa. Playoffs? Let me let me be let me be delusional right now, okay? <laughs> let me be delusional right now. All right, all right, all right. I know I called for us to like Jacoby Brissett to outduel Tom Brady. I know I just said that, but it's possible in my head. So <laughs> you're just pulling all these sounders on me, uh, Dan. I had to throw that one in there for you because yes. I know. You better hope. I'll play it one more time. Playoffs? Playoffs. Because the answer is no. The Cleveland Browns are not making the playoffs. Matt, you are definitely delusional on that team. But I respect it. Okay. I do respect it. Yep. But let's get into our NFL pickums. Starting off with... Hold on. The the link is loading. Oh, no. (laughs) No. This University of Akron Wi-Fi is doing wonders. Well, right while now. we're pulling that up, uh, Denver did beat Jacksonville early on, twenty-one to seventeen. Russell Wilson had a late touchdown drive. Nice Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's do high knees on an eight-hour flight back to Denver. So, first game we have for NFL pickums: PJ Walker and the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons at one o'clock. What are your guys' thoughts? This game will decide who has the division lead outright in the NFC South. That's unbelievable. I'll take Carolina because I like chaos. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. Even though I could see the Panthers winning, I'm taking Falcons. Okay. I'm going to also take the Falcons purely because I can't stand Baker Mayfield even if he's not playing, and I don't like that Jake Murren likes the Panthers. Really? I thought you I thought you would choose the Panthers just because of, uh, Baker Mayfield's not playing. I'll never pick any team that has Baker Mayfield on their roster. Hmm. He's a scrub. Okay. Sorry, Jake. Tell us how you really I know you're feel still about listening, him. Man. Hey, you, man. Well, I, you don't want me to do that, man. It's no, a, I've heard it all. <laughs> it's a good thing that Jake isn't here today because I, if I was on that side of the table, my mic would have got muted. <laughs> oh, boy. Next up, we have the Chicago Bears at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Yep, I'm going Cowboys at home. I would also pick the Cowboys, although I do like seeing Justin Fields succeed. It's mm-hmm. I oh, wish that absolutely, yeah. I wish that he would be in a better position there. Next up, the Miami Dolphins at the Detroit Lions. Miami easy. Yeah, I'm going Miami as well. I'm also going to take Miami. Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Minnesota Vikings. New Call of Duty just dropped. Give me the Vikings. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings as well. They're on fire. I'm going with the Vikings as well. I'm just not a Cardinals guy. I don't know why. Just not a fan. Next up, the Las Vegas Raiders at the New Orleans Saints. Reminder, Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback for the Saints. Viva Las Vegas. I was I was close with this one, but I think I'm going to change my pick to Las Vegas as well. I'm going to go against you guys and pick the Saints. I don't know why. I have no logic behind it, to be honest with you, but I'm going to pick the Saints just to pick somebody different. Just that gut feeling. Sin City versus the Saints. Who wins? Next up, we have the New England Patriots at the New York Jets. The team, Another team that Bill Belichick despises is the New York Jets. Give me the Patriots. Oh, yeah. Y'all remember he resigned on a napkin from them? Within a day. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going Patriots as well. I'm going to go with the Jets. Oh, bad choice. They're kind of looking good right now. I mean, uh, I hope so, but... I'm going to go with the Jets. Okay. Next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers that nobody likes at the Philadelphia Eagles, who we just talked about being extremely hot. Who's your pick? Philly moves to 7-0. Agreed. I would definitely take Philly. Nobody likes the Steelers. Pat and Casey, nobody likes the Steelers. Do not talk about it in the group chat today. 
Moving into the four o'clock games, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans, and starting for the te- for the Titans is finally Malik Willis. I think that makes a huge difference. What are your picks? I'm taking Davis Mills and the Texans. Interesting. I'm going to go with the Titans for as much as I love Davis Mills. You do love Davis Mills. I really do. <laughs> but you know what? Bailey Zappi might be the new Davis Mills. Bailey Zappi is on the bench. Not for long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have the Washington Commanders at the Indianapolis Colts. Do I have to pick a winner? I was torn on this one. Washington. But I think I'm going to go with the commies on this one. <laughs> I'm also going to go with the Washington Commanders. The Colts are just bad. You know what? Now Sam Ellinger is their quarterback, too. You know what? I only chose them because I wanted to say commies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, that's respectable. Next up, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the L.A. Rams. Niners. Okay. Yep, I'm going Niners as well. We Next, agree on too much. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of agreement here. Next up, we have the New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith. I really want to pick Geno Smith, but I'm going with the New York football Giants in this. I'm going with the G-Men as well. The Giants will beat the Seattle Seahawks as much as I do like Geno Smith. Next up, Dan, I know you're not going to like this one. The Green Bay Packers at the Buffalo Bills. I'm also going to go Buffalo. Not even going to be close. Aaron Rodgers is just not himself. And that matchup between the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars did finish up, as you said, 21-17. to And now let's pick... The Monday night game between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Browns by a billion. Agreed. You know what? Browns by a bajillion. Yes. Bengals, unfortunately. Boo. Boo. Oh, hey, you know, I got to do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this Sunday's edition of Sports Power Talk. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? You know what you guys should do? The Browns aren't playing right now. So right after this, you can listen to Entertainment Rebooted. We're bringing yes, it back. We're bringing it, it back. coming up immediately following our show. This episode's going to talk about Don't Worry, uh, Don't Worry, Darling, and the new Mario trailer. So if you want some pop culture, stick around. Awesome. Yep. Dan? Go Browns, go Jackets, and go Cavs. Go Cavs, indeed. For me, shout out to Matt and the boys at the Kingdom. Thank you for always giving us hot mic questions and tuning in every single week. And a quick plug to my Walsh Jesuit women's soccer team for winning the district championship on Thursday over Green. <laughs> Matt and Dan. Let's get this win over Twinsburg on nope. Tuesday. Also, congrats to my dad and Hudson for doing the same thing, winning the district round. Make sure you stay tuned to WZIP, as Matt said, for Entertainment Rebooted immediately following our show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports and vote on Around the Rue. Guys, another great show today. Joining me today was Dan Groen and Matt Permuka. And I'm Logan Congrove. Thank you so much again, and be kind to all. <laughs>